All right. As you uh, come on back, I will introduce you to a big book. No, little book about a big problem. It's called a small book about a little problem. This is a handy little resource by Ed Welch. This is a a book of meditations on anger, fifty days long. It's like a, a daily bread, all on the same topic. And um, it's intended for you to read one a day so that you will retrain the way you think about these things and, uh, you know, once a day say, oh, that's right, that's the intent. So there's a little speech at the beginning about, don't you just sit down and read this whole thing, you're missing the point, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, day one, a slow 50-day walk, he explains it, and I admit to having read it in less time than that, but... <laughs> 50 days? Who takes 50 days to read a book? I mean, come on. So anyway, um, I just want to let you know this is out there. Uh, kind of a handy little book. You may find it uh, helpful to you. It's available on Amazon, uh, New Growth Press, CCEF. A 50-day journey that you can take to just kind of work it through and think about different elements of anger. So sometimes those are handy little tools similar to the yellow sheet of paper that Daniel prepared that's there on your table that's a seven day journey so 50 is too long maybe seven will get you head in the right direction or you could always do both uh, I do have a, a couple questions here for you as we look ahead to the rest of the day last night you were introduced to Richard and Daniel who will both be doing uh, breakout sessions after lunch and we need to place those, as in one is in this room, and of course this is the larger room, and it's got more room for distancing. The other will be in the back room, the adult Sunday school room. We moved some chairs out, so there's actually four rows, a little more room than in there on Sunday morning, but that's what we have to do ministry and life here at the station. So what I would like to do is ask your show of hands. At some point you have an idea, I, I suspect, about what you're going to go to. The one, of course, with, with Daniel is on uh, anger. Let's see here, how's it go? Strategies for helping an angry child. And I was asked, I don't know if the same person asked you, is that thinking more like children, teenagers, or where would teenagers fit in there? It, it could apply. Could apply more broadly. Just, I mean, the language I'll use for example. Would be okay, okay. And Richard, you're talking more like about adults. And uh, angry person, including if it's you, I suppose, you would find application there as well. So kids, adults, kids, adults. So I'm, I'm just going to ask like this, you know, how many of you see yourself going to the workshop on children, children, children? Hands up. Okay, John, since you're standing up there and you can see anyway, can you give me a quick count? I just need to know which one is more likely to be more heavily attended. That's all I'm after. Okay, and how many of you plan to go to the one on adults, angry adults? Okay, that'll be in here. <laughs> Thank you. Don't, yeah, got it. That'll be in here. And it, yes, as I mentioned, it's the bigger room and so on. Now, uh, our, our intent is to um, be done with this by about noon, which is when lunch is supposed to arrive. And uh, then we'll take about a 45-minute break. Uh, more on that in a minute. And 12.45 will be in our two different sessions, and away we go. And I wanted to give the guys plenty of time to, to interact with, with all of us, the topic, and so on. So the target there, I think we said an hour and... Did we say an hour and 15 or an hour and a half? What did we say? Okay, about an hour and a half or so. That takes us to 2.15, 12.45, 1.45, 2.15. At 
I would like to have the folks in the back room come on out here and then just 15 minutes of conversation and wrap up in prayer here and at 2.30 we're done and out the door. Okay, that's our plan. Um, so thank you, that's helpful. So, so Richard's here on adults, Daniel's in the back on kids. Good, thank you. All these sessions are being recorded, um, uh, video in this room and audio for the one in the back room, just the, the way our technology works. I also was going to say this, um, lunch when it arrives at noon, just due to all of our protocols and things like that, it'll, instead of going down a line and getting all your own and thus having all of us pick up the same sets of tongs, which just doesn't seem very good, um, I'm going to be needing like oh, probably four people and I decided just to do it strictly by volunteer today like now, okay? <laughs> Who, these would be people who are willing to glove up, mask up, and do the tongs for what people... Oh, my goodness sakes, look at this. Bam, 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 bam. One, two, three. Miss Patty, I'll take you. I got... Man, there's like eight of you. We might need more than that. I don't know. Those are... And, and I didn't finish the job description. <laughs> glove up, mask up, and serve people as they come down. Yes, yeah, some of that, some of that, some of that. And that pretty much means you end up eating later. Uh, some of the others of you who raise your hands might want to eat first and then you can sub in because I know sometimes you could get everybody served and then you go back for seconds and everybody grabs the same tongs anyway and that again you know you guys we should take care of each other so maybe some of you would sub in later and take care of that I, I don't know we'll see how that goes we're all adults we'll keep each other uh, safe and alive and um, take care of it that way good thank you you know who you are if if Kathy asked me who volunteered I have no idea, but you guys know. So thank you. Thank you for serving us. That'll be good. All right. So if the last hour was thinking theological, think theologically, then uh, this hour will be more about thinking practically. And I'm going to use by way of reference for a couple of things, the, uh, this book called, come on, Untangling Emotions, which we mentioned last night, will be one of the, really the key text for a class on emotions this fall here taught by Richard and Daniel that'll start November, December, whenever this other class wraps up. Chapter 14 is the chapter on anger in particular, and it begins like this. Again, not all of you read this, I don't think. If fear, if fear is the most common emotional struggle scripture deals with, anger is the most dangerous. Isn't that interesting? If fear is the most common struggle Scripture deals with, anger is the most dangerous. Here's why. It has the capacity to vastly reduce the darkness of our broken world by righting wrongs and protecting the myriad fragile good things around us. That's addressing the right part of it, isn't it? Anger, if rightly harnessed, can, can address some evils some problems. Anger could be harnessed for good. Now, this section, of course, this chapter goes on to say several things. What is anger? And um, I, I go here, uh, pages 170 and 171, kind of a synopsis, pulling it off of a couple pages. What does anger say? Well, at its core, anger identifies a wrong, hopefully a worthwhile wrong, hopefully not a trivial wrong. But regardless, anger addresses a wrong. It might be something you think is wrong. It isn't a big deal. 
but it might be an actual an actual wrong when you see something happen when you see something in the world when you see something take place uh, a, a child or somebody is being abused or neglected an older person is not being cared for and you say wait a minute no that's, that's a response. It's a right response when there's something actually taking place. I'm going to do something about that. And you do without ruining the world or hurting someone. It's a moral emotion. It says, it pronounces a judgment. That's what's taking place. Now, Groves and Smith are asking you to massage that about your own situation, about what you tend to get angry about. Because even if it's a foolish thing, you are saying that's wrong something's wrong it's a moral emotion it's making a judgment it passes judgment and of course he, the, these two writers go on from there judge jury I, I like this next picture Tyler found it and added it to my presentation well done sweet Lou baby that's right some of us uh, who have been longtime dreamers of a Seattle Mariner team winning the uh, pennant um Dreamers, you know, ain't gonna have. Well, anyway, so you remember this. Um, there are many such pictures of Sweet Lou going off on the umpires, um, red face. Gra- I mean, it was legendary, right? It was just drama. Was he really mad? Yes. Okay. He 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 was he was pretty mad, but I <laughs> it was it was great entertainment. When something happened, you go, okay, this is going to be great. Put the popcorn down, honey. Here comes Lou, and he's going to kick dirt and pick up the base and throw it, and it's it's great. He's going to make the evening news. But that's a classic moment. What does anger say? This may be you, not sweet Lou. Things ought to go my way. I want it this way. We mentioned last night, sometimes we manipulate by our anger. If you were not with us, I was reading the list of 11 from the table of contents in this descriptive book about ways we do anger. And sometimes it's manipulative. I will make you miserable with my anger until you do it my way, and then it'll all settle down, and we're going to all love my way, because I do. So anger can be a tool to manipulate until you come across a person who says, well, I don't care if you're angry, I'm not going to do it that way. And then you don't know what to do because you're used to manipulating. You don't want to raise kids who do that and turn them, in, you know, turn them loose on the world, do you? Um, you don't want to do that. Inflict them on a spouse someday. Uh, people who think that the world is going to be their way. What a, what a mistake. The underlying message of highly angry people is things ought to go my way. Yes. This um, the, the discussion of this on page 170, 171 is well worth your reading. I've got so much yellow ink here. I mean, I almost needed a new pen just for these two pages. I mark things up as I read it. Thought, wow, that's good. Wow, that's good. Hmm. The inseparability of love and hate. The opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. You don't care. Wow, okay. What happens? What happens here? On page 172, can I comment here? On page 172, to make matters worse, angry people almost never know they're angry people. 
Is this you? It's extremely difficult to step back and say, maybe I am the problem here instead of all the idiots in the room. Maybe I'm the problem. Wow. People who are angry struggle greatly to perceive their own flaws. As a result, those who live in a state of regular, a regular state of anger, feeling morally superior, punishing those who disagree, end up driving people away till the angry person stands alone at the center of a relational circle of scorched earth. You ever been there? Someone who stays in that circle only out of obligation, not because it's pleasant. Angry people. How anger motivates. Oh boy. Anger demands to be satisfied. If you didn't pick up this book, I would urge you to. And again, this fall, when that class takes place, the chapter here on anger is is well worth it. Um, Now, I'm after something during this hour. And um, this group exercise that I'm going to now inflict on you is is a step in this direction. This is not just about information, okay? I'm after the process. I want you to see it. And I want you to feel it. And I, I dare say I want you to memorize it. Okay? There's a process here. It's going to be very similar to a couple of slides later. But I'm, I'm wanting you to use these four questions as lenses to view four texts in the Bible. And they're there. Genesis, Second Chronicles, Nehemiah, Jonah. With the text in James 4 as a summary. And I'm wanting you to, to, to think like this, okay? In the text, who's angry? In the text, what is the perceived wrong that prompts the response of anger? What's the perceived wrong? Something is perceived to be wrong. It may be an actual wrong. These texts are different, okay, from one another. What's the perceived wrong? When you are angry, this is what I'm after here, okay? Again, not just after collecting information. I want you to learn to do this to your heart. When you're feeling the emotion of anger, if you have the presence of mind to self-evaluate there, for you to be able to ask yourself, what is the perceived wrong here? What, what, why am I feeling this? What is, what is bringing this? You might quickly, if you're able to answer that question honestly, you might quickly de-escalate your own heart. You might quickly say, the perceived wrong here is that person wouldn't get out of my way. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, it might be something more significant. But what is the perceived wrong that's bringing this emotion to my heart? Can you identify that? I remember this this moment, <laughs> I do, um, uh, a number of years ago, a moment of clarity. You remember how moments of clarity, when you have them and suddenly you remember them for a long time because they were good? Okay, that's happened to me a few times. And I remember a moment of clarity. This is some years ago, and it was that obvious that I've, I've remembered it now for a bunch of years when I was driving someplace and I was feeling irritation, frustration, okay, anger. And it occurred to me in a moment of Holy Spirit clarity, I'm angry because I expected said person to read my mind. Huh. And that was a moment of humbling before God. Okay, that's pretty dumb. Why would said person know that? 
Huh. Wow, Jay, you're a sinner, man. <laughs> you better cry out for mercy. That's kind of how the drive went, right? I got in the, the, the car and left, frustrated and irritated, and got out of the car thinking, oh, Lord, it's me. Asking that question, what is the perceived wrong? Third, what does the angry person want? Please, please get these questions. What do you want? You want something. You want something. Your heart wants something. Maybe it's a right thing. Maybe I want justice. But what do, you, what do I want? I want peace and quiet. Is that a good thing or is it a sinful thing? What do I want? What does that angry person want? And then third, what's it look like? Or finally, it's the fourth on the list. What is done and how does that turn out? So I'd like you to, to practice those four and I'd like you to work on memorizing them. Okay, that's what I'm after. So this is a, a study of the Bible and it's also a learn a process. So what I'm gonna do is quit talking and let those of you on video also just kind of take a time out and maybe do this yourself and just briefly visit each of those texts. Somebody read it and ask the questions. Who's angry? What's the perceived wrong? What do they want? And what's it look like? Okay. So just kind of buzz through. It's going to take you 15 minutes anyway. Um, and so I'll check in with you in 15. But somebody lead, however that works at the table. It's a bit of Bible study. And what's going on? Those are your questions. There's your assignment. I'll check back in 15. Thank you. So there is a, there's a value to learning some elements of process. One of the interesting chapters, one of the interesting, all, all the chapters in this book were interesting. But chapter five, I found uh, particularly interesting because it heads into some areas that I, I am less familiar with, I suppose, describing what happens to us physiologically when we are angry our bodies react, don't they? Uh, this was an interesting chapter on that. How much of you is involved when you're angry? <laughs> well, all of you, uh, because of the way emotion and adrenaline and the, you know, boy, what an interesting thing to think about. I know that from a neurological angle, uh, I remember in one conversation with these guys, I remember hearing things that were way beyond, way beyond my uh, life and experience about what happens to us physiologically when we're angry. Uh, some of us have been around people so angry that they're physically shaking, right? And some of it's the adrenaline rush. Uh, the body's just pouring adrenaline in. And my goodness sakes. Um, uh, things are happening with us now in this in this chapter all of you does anger there's a similar structure to what we're looking at right here and we we will uh, look at what we just did on page 54 there are some similar questions and I just want to highlight those just want to mark it for you to as you continue to follow up and I hope you do you follow up this seminar um, on page 54 there are there are similar questions for you to learn to ask yourself. And, I, you know, there's a necessary part here about learning a process for yourself. 
about self-managing your anger because I don't have to tell you when you are angry, when you are angry, how much do you appreciate it if anybody else on the face of God's green earth comes alongside and says, okay, you need to calm down. How does that go for you? Uh, just out of curiosity, don't you love, you right away go, oh, you know, you're right. Shoot, I, you know, I'm doing it again. No, no, no. That's why in these areas, self-learning some skills to self-manage between you and Jesus, because um, you know, if you're the non-angry person, for you to say, you're, okay, <laughs> you're already not helping, are you? Um, you're getting angry, you're, you're, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, yeah. Maybe that's something you're going to cover today. I hope so. Helpful things to do and say when someone around you is angry, other than calm down. Yeah, don't say calm down. Stop it. You're getting a, the, the royal thing again. I don't know what it is, but don't do it. Talk to me about Genesis 4, as you, uh, both of you, uh, those of us in the room and those um, watching at another time, hopefully have interacted with the text. Who's angry in Genesis 4? Cain. Wow. Who's his counselor? God. <laughs> What's the result of the counseling? Murder. Yeah, okay. So even God is a counselor. <laughs> he, God counsels him. And the guy goes and kills somebody. So, you know, I, I, just pointing out, if you give counsel to somebody and it, they go out and do it, anyway, don't think you failed. You might have given great counsel. And wow, <laughs> <laughs> away it went. Oh, man. Yeah, they needed a better counselor. Well, no, I don't think he had a better counselor than God. All right. Wow. Why was he angry? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, come on. I worked for those things. Yeah. Interesting. And we already talked about how it turned out. Second Chronicles. Who's angry? Uzziah. Uzziah. He's one of the good guys, right? I mean, come on. He's been a king for a very long time. He spent most of his life, didn't he? As one of the good guys. And then, oh, man. Uzziah, no, say it's not true. Wow, what happened in his heart? Pride. The text identifies it, doesn't it? Pride. Oh, Lord Jesus. Who's vulnerable to that? Oh, man, every single one of us. Years of a great track record, years and years. Yeah, there's no guarantee, man. Long as we walk in this world. Pride, pride. Okay, what did he, why was he angry? What was the cause? Or what was the prompt? What, 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 what was the spark? Yeah, don't you hate to be told no? I can too, because I'm the boss. I'm the B, you know, big man on campus, BMOC. Come on, seriously, you mean no. Yeah, we don't like that. Nobody likes to be told, no, you can't have that. No, it doesn't work out. No, it's not you today. Okay. There's a king in the room, and it's not you. Right. Wow. Result? Oh, man. Yeah, Carl. There's also a second person that's angry here. God. God's angry. God's angry, isn't he? Yeah, you're absolutely right. 
Yes, God's angry. Yes. The other result, though, is that his son followed God. Yeah, there's, there's generational stuff. One of the benefits of reading texts like First and Second Chronicles and Kings and so on is you, you can see generational things. And it's interesting to me in reading those historical uh, narratives to, to, to see the back and forth from one generation to another. How did this godly person produce Manasseh? I mean, where'd that come from? And then this, this just terrible guy, his kid follows, follows the God of the Bible. How in the world did that work? Hmm, interesting. Yes, you're right, though. All right, Nehemiah. Wow, what's going on here with Nehemiah? Who's angry? Well, Nehemiah, <laughs> there you go. Right, well, how come? Yes, come on, people. Here's the way it is. God gave order and structure, and and you got this guy. Live, I mean, whew. now, is this the text where Nehemiah reacts in some anger? And what's he do? What does he do physically? Yeah, so he's, yeah, he helps him move out, doesn't he? He's, okay, so this anger then looked... It looked a certain way. He's throwing stuff. I mean, the door's propped open. He's got the little thing in there, and he's pitching things out. Where we seen that before, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're thinking Jesus in the yeah. in the temple, yes. right? So again, see, I, I would I would press on this. Not every moment like this, where somebody's pitching something out, could would you look at as we tend to do as Christians and say, "Guy's probably sinning." Well, maybe not. Maybe that person's reacting to an actual wrong and somebody better do it. And for goodness sakes, I'm going to do it now. So he's pitching this stuff out. Now, I don't know if he was muttering under his breath. You know, it's possible. He might have been sinning as he did that. I don't want to paint Nehemiah as too much, you know, the perfect guy. He might have been muttering something stupid, stupid. I don't know. What's he doing? But he's pitching the stuff out. And in his, he's reacting to, to wrong and, and saying, no, get it fixed now. And of course, when I, when I think about this, um, oh dear, and you Bible scholars will, will quickly get, the, um, who's the guy? Was it Samuel? Was it Samuel? When Agag, when they let Agag, when they let, yes. And, and yes, there's an interesting moment of righteousness. Uh, yeah, yeah, when they, the people spared, I'm going to go to an awful one, I'm sorry, but it's a moment of righteousness. Um, it, it's, it's Samuel, oh, yes, they, people, they said people spared, Saul, they spared all these, they shouldn't have, and Agag is a wicked king, and God had said, execute him, he's evil from the word go, it's time for him to, no, justice demands his death, and they didn't, and Samuel found out about that, and it's, Yes, and he, he basically said, bring a sword. I'll let you read it yourself. But he took care of business. And it was a justice moment. And it was an action moment. It was throwing stuff out, but it wasn't. It was taking care of it here today, right now. You, you, God, had, God has so judged you and, and called for your death, and these guys wouldn't do it. Well, I, I'll take care of it now. And it was righteous it was righteous. You say, well, poor guy should have gotten life. No, God had already pronounced his death for his atrocities. 
And Samuel was the one who took a sword and said, I'll take care of it. Action, though, is I guess what I'm after here. So Nehemiah is an action moment. Now, Jonah, now we're flipping to a, a different setting. Jonah, prophet of God, great evangelist. The whole city repents. This is amazing. Greatest revival in history. And thousands of people uh, get it right with God. And Jonah is furious <laughs> oh man oh the mercy of god he's not in amazement he's angry of course you know the story god has been merciful on my personal enemies you know it's cold war time and you're going yes <laughs> the bad guys are going down and god forgives him it's like oh man <sighs> so jonah what's going on in his heart who's his counselor yeah, God's the counselor again, huh? <laughs> yeah, Genesis 3 or Genesis 4, here he is again. Same counselor, right? God, God counsels him. And did you notice the questions God asks Jonah? Wow. Those are, those are what David Pallison in one of his other books <clears throat> can tell you which one. He calls them x-ray questions. Uh, seeing with new eyes. It's that book, I think. Seeing with new eyes out of Ephesians. He, he has a whole, several pages of x-ray questions where he's wanting to get to the bottom of it. And so he says, Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? What an interesting question. Again, not one that the calm person should ask the angry person at the moment, um, because that's typically gasoline on the fire. But God does. Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? Jonah said... Yes, I do. <laughs> Can you imagine the audacity of this? I sure do. You were merciful to people that I wanted you to smack, and you didn't. I knew it when I went to preach there. They were going to repent, and you were going to forgive them because you are a merciful God, and I hate that. Do you see the irony of this? Because God is now going to be merciful to Jonah instead of smacking him, too. <laughs> so Jonah is, is mad at the very thing he's receiving. <laughs> he's receiving mercy. Wow, he just doesn't think anybody else should get it. Wow, so, so tell me about the, that, what is the little experiment with the plant and the worm? What's going on with that? <clears throat> yeah, oh man. Oh, the patience of God that he would give an object lesson. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to grow a vine over your little head, your little angry head. Do you, are you happy now, Jonah? You're asking for someone to give you a little love. How about a little love here on this weary prophet? Okay, here's a little love. Now, now let's just kill the very thing that you're loving. Let's just kill it. It's a new car. It's a, it's a cool toy. Some amazing, and you say, finally. The good guys finally won. <laughs> Look at this. This is so great. And God kills it or burns it or crashes it. I remember a friend of mine vividly. Um, some of you remember the days of the old shoulder mount video recorders? Remember these? Uh, way beyond the phone. No, no. We'd had these big old things. That you'd kind of walk around. I remember, I remember a friend of mine who finally, after... A long time of saving. Finally came up with, it was probably $1,000 at the time. Got his, it was a VHS tape thing in there. It was great. It was one of those big old monsters. And he was, finally had it. And he's had this for hours now. And his new out of the box. And he's got, he's gonna, he's got kids for goodness sake. He wants to record the children, right? Thank you, God, for this wonderful gift. And he's backing up 
Do you see any problems with this? <laughs> Smash! Camera's dead. Oh, no, no. Dead. Lord? <laughs> Why? It's the plant. The plant died. Yeah. God, he asked, why did you just break your camera? No, he did ask that, much to his credit. God, why did you, it was his, God, it's yours. Why did you just break your camera? <laughs> so, so, so the plant dies, and Jonah is, it tells you, doesn't it? He's angry about the plant. God sends a worm. Hmm. The text never resolves, does it? What do you think happened? Do you think Jonah learned his lesson? You didn't you don't know. Did he die angry? Did he go did he go stay in a little hut out there stewing over the mercy of God? You think he repented? Yeah, I I, I don't know. Well, we'll find out someday in heaven. I suspect he'll be there. I think he will be there. Yeah, because God is more, more merciful than he is. God is more merciful than Jonah. But it's an angry person. I think it highlights several things, which is, again, I, I wanted you to see it here. Um, the wrong that he's angry at is actually a mercy. His, his concept of wrong is wrong, much as yours and mine often is, isn't it? Our concept of the wrong that brings my response of anger is often wrong. We can be wrong at the wrong stuff. Jonah was wrong at what was a mercy, the goodness of God. Maybe, maybe you think for a minute, can quickly think about times that you were wrong about what you were upset about. The wrong that you were upset about wasn't a wrong might have been a minor irritation. Maybe it was a good gift from God to someone else. Maybe God was kind. You worked so hard, you worked so hard, you worked so hard. You get the pink slip, they get a new suburban. Where's the love here, God? You're wrong. Yeah, you're, you're angry because of the mercy of God on another person. Hmm. Does that ever bug you? Who's got the big house now? Yes, Marie. At the moment, it looked like all failure. Uh-huh. God, oh, man. I think that's what I so appreciate about the last, uh-huh. the last chapter. There's, there's hope. Yes, old oh, man. Yes. Always being haunted by that. Yes, yes. And the, the lessons go on. Yes. Uh, tell me if, uh, about this. Is it not true that often when we're angry... Our, our view is shortened to right here. Isn't that right? At the, at the moment we're angry, we're not thinking long-term. We're not thinking heaven's point of view. We're not even thinking a week from now. We're thinking right now, dinner is burned, or you're an idiot, or this, I came home. It's, Legos are everywhere, and this is exactly not. Our, our view gets shortened, doesn't it? I mean, you think about your anger. Uh, very few times that you get really angry, are you thinking anything more than the nose in front of your face? Our view is shortened. Perhaps a reminder that if we, would to lo- we were able to look a little longer, 
we might see a little different. But Jonah was looking very close, wasn't he? What did James 4 have to say? That was a lengthy text. What was, what was that all about? Hmm? Yes. Ah, yes, you're right, Noel. What a wonderful, wonderful text. It's hope, isn't it? Draw near to God and he, he will. Humble yourselves, therefore. I do, yes. Yes. I know you have that memorized. I know you do. Yet yeah, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Do you, do you like humbling yourself? Yes, yes. Oh, you're so right, Penny. It's so much easier with the help of the Spirit of God to humble yourself than to be humbled externally. You're right. Humble yourselves there for under the mighty hand of God. Yes. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? You want something. That's my translation of the text. <laughs> you want something and you didn't get it. That's, that's the number one thing. I wanted what? That's what we're after here. What's the perceived wrong? I wanted something. I, what's the angry person want? In this case, you. What do you want? Maybe, maybe you can think about a circumstance when you were angry recently. Can you identify what you wanted? I wanted that to be different. This is self-analyzing. What's going on in my heart? I want something. And then, of course, I can ask, is it a right thing that I want? Is it a just thing that I want? Is it a, is it a God-honoring thing that I want? And am I wanting it in the right way? Am I going about wanting it in the right way? What is going on in me? What do I want? I want something. I do. I want something. Otherwise, I wouldn't be angry because I didn't get it. What do I want? What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not your desires? Lust. But we usually think sexual desire when you hear the word lust. It's just about desires. It's not the stuff you want. You want something and you didn't get it. So you, you're willing to murder. murder. I don't murder. Any. No, no. But it's so angry, Jesus said, right? Anger. It's the same emotion that produces murder. Nobody ever said, I'm going to give you a hug and then I'm going to, you know, pull the trigger. Most, most murder happens out of anger. So it's, it's the same emotion. You, you want this. And so this, you didn't get it. So you this. Wow, you adulteresses, he says. You know, make yourself a friend of the world, be an enemy of God. Oh, Lord, no. Hmm. Um, I want to, as we head toward lunch, isn't here yet. So, um, I want to I want to go to Paulison's eight questions. This is chapter thirteen. And uh, again, you ho- hopefully all of you have a copy of the book because you so you can take this home with you. Because my goal is that that you'll be working on these things. Um, one of these books, I forget which one talks about the journey of dealing with anger. And I I hope you know that. Like any area of sanctification, that's growth and holiness, there is a process here. If you want a book that thinks with you about the process, this is a cool little book also by David David Paulison. Of course, you know he's now with the Lord. Um, David Paulison, um, 
my goodness, Wendy, who uh, died, I want to say 2019, but he, um, I think that's right, uh, and his death came very quickly. He was about 69, and he was diagnosed with, I think it was pancreatic cancer, and was gone maybe two months later. Something like that. Uh, don't hold me to those exact things. But uh, one, of his, one of his books here that I found so helpful, this is copyrighted in 2017. Uh, how does sanctification work? Growth in holiness. How does, it, how does it work? And in this, he has this helpful little illustration of a house. And it, you're the house. <clears throat> and he, he talks about four different things God uses to change us. Five factors of sanctification. You change in the, you know, the middle. Truth, he's going from the top down. Truth changes you. Struggles and suffering changes you. Wise people change you. And God, foundation, God changes you. By the work of the Spirit of God. So, so truth, Word of God, God Himself, wise people, struggles, and you know, you working on. You. Anyway, that's his little five step thing. I'm hoping you realize the process, that there's a change process. You don't just take a pill <clears throat> and suddenly you're better. You don't, even if it's a good pill. Richard's analogy last night. <clears throat> it doesn't work like that. Even if you work on something, it doesn't. Change takes time. Change takes time. Dealing with anger in a more constructive way takes time. It takes learning new skills by the hand of God. So anger management. Paulison's eight questions, chapter thirteen. I just want to surf these briefly. His eight questions. The eight might be too many to get your arms around. It's possible. But he suggests this process. So what's going on? Are there certain things that typically, like we say, make you angry? Can you identify that? That would be the questions that these guys were asking last night. If somebody comes in and says, fix my anger, they're going to want to explore that. Well, tell me about that. What's that look like? What things would you say make you mad? And can you answer it honestly? Well, I tend to respond in anger when. Any idea? When this, for some people, especially for guys, um, when I'm disrespected or I feel like I'm being disrespected, there's one. I feel like I'm disrespected when, when this happens. Yeah, you want to kick a guy? Yeah, cause him to feel disrespected. Laugh at him. Just do it. Wow. It's not always a good thing. I'm just saying it's partly based in pride at least. When I'm not valued, that's one. When I'm not valued, and that looks like this. What's my situation? Anger's about something. You don't just sit there on your couch and suddenly blow up. Oh, no, I want to stay here. How do I react? What do I do? These, are, these might be things to sit down with a piece of paper or when nobody's mad with a, and sit down with the person you love and say, help me think about this. Now, that's humbling yourself. Maybe you're going to sit down with a spouse or a friend or a counselor and say, help me, just help me here. Okay, what do I do? What does it look like? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I, I'm, you know, I'm feeling this way. I, I, this, sometimes I clam up. Sometimes I yell. Some, what does it look like? What does it look like? What are my motives? That's the inside. If you're going to move from outside, you might move to inside. What do I want? What am I believing? Now I'm going here. Of course, those are uh, back on page. Was it 54? I referenced, yeah. When you get upset, what do you want? When you fire into anger, what do you believe? 
What are you afraid of? Sometimes it's fear. I'm afraid that, mm-hmm. What intentions? What are my motives? I want something. And can you be honest about what it is you want, even if it sounds foolish at the moment? Well, really, I want peace and quiet. I come home from work or I came home from whatever. It's so busy. It's so loud. I really just want a little peace and quiet. Is that so bad? Well, maybe. <laughs> Coming home to a family of six kids, it might be unrealistic. <laughs> you're going to have you're gonna have peace and quiet all the way from the car to the door. Yep, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ain't going to happen that way, Tiger. Yeah, what are my motives? What did I want? What do I believe? What do I fear? And what do I do? What can I do? What are the consequences of my anger? This is some honesty here, too. What are the consequences of my anger for my family? For my job? For my health? Oh, boy. Anybody know about this? This is uh, the, the physiological area again. What does anger do to your health? Yeah, yeah, blood pressure, uh, oh my goodness sakes, all manner of stuff. Shortening your life, probably. Uh, Grieving people are, no, honestly, several hundred times more likely to be hospitalized than non-grieving people. Did you know that? One thing I read said 600 times, grieving people, because of the, the physical element. Angry people are multiple times more likely to be hospitalized than non-angry people. Not only because of what's going on inside, but because you're more likely, not guaranteed to, but you're more likely to hit the gas extra hard, get around that idiot on the road and you fly by him, more likely, increasing the likelihood you're going to just do something wrong, miss, miss something, get a ticket. Yeah. Legal issues. Oh boy, do we have to go there? Right about the time you get out of your car and go tell them a thing or two. I was just going to tell them, don't tailgate me. That's all. Got out of my car, walked back there. How's that turn out? Badly, because the minute you get out of your car, you just committed a crime. Did you know that? If there's road rage, no, seriously. I know this from law enforcement stuff with family and law enforcement. Did you get out of your car? I will ticket you. Because you got out in anger and either you're going to have a big target on your chest and not know why they shot you, or you're going to hit their car, you're going to do something. So if you get out of your car in anger, you've now committed a crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Don't get out of your car. Don't get out of your car. Don't get out of your car. Don't do it. Um, I'll tell you a quick... Um, I, I remember... Um, it's vivid in my mind. I remember just talking about this with somebody. I remember... Um, I think it was at Tacoma Mall. Might have been. And I... I um, I was pulling up, just driving by, and there were some young people that I did not know at all. And there was a guy, young guy with his girlfriend and some other guys around him who were taunting him and trying to get him to fight. I had my window down. I could hear this. It's like, you know, da-da-da, you know how, you know how it goes, the banter. And this guy, with, he's, he's with a girl, some girl. And your pride is getting kicked, right? And I happened to roll up close enough to be heard. So I started talking to the kid with the girl. I said, hey, 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 listen to me right here, right here. Walk away. Walk away right now. Where's your car? No, 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 no. Listen to me. Listen to me. Where's your car? He's going to go on, right? I said, get, just get in your car. Get in the car right now. Listen to me. Walk away. Walk away. Go, what's going to happen? What happens when he turns around and says, okay? 
Well, it's like four to one. They're going to kill him. It's not going to go well. And this poor little girl you're trying to impress is going to watch your blood on the sidewalk. And I thought, oh man, somebody, somebody speak to him and, and don't, don't engage. No, no. Consequences of my anger. He needed to walk away. Walk away. Uh, uh, number five. Oh boy, now we're analyzing this. Now we're analyzing. What is true? What is true here? What does God say about those circumstances that you're facing? The things that we say make me mad. What's he say about these? Is there true justice being uh, missing? What is it? What is it? How do I turn to God for help? This is that text in James. How do you, how do you, how do you do this? Do it, turn to him. Angry people are always talking to the wrong person. They talk to themselves. Isn't that interesting? They're talking to themselves about their anger. They should be talking to God. Um, there have been a few times in my life that, again, very, very, very um, riveted in my own mind when I have had the presence of mind by the grace of the Holy Spirit to tell God the truth about my feelings. I mean, I'm a guy, for goodness sakes. Who does that? But I, I remember a couple moments specifically in saying, okay, God, I am really mad. I am really mad right now. And talking to God about it, talking it through. God, I am, I am so angry. And I don't even know if I'm right or wrong or indifferent, but I'm just, God, I'm, I'm, oh, baby. And having a conversation this way. God, I'm feeling this. Oh, God, help me. Angry people are always talking to the wrong person. They talk to themselves. How do I respond? Again, you're analyzing. You've got a piece of paper down. What, what are my options here? If, if indeed back, under, um, back under, under number two, some of the things I do aren't very constructive, what are things I can do here under number seven that are? What could I do differently? Do. I'm talking about doing. What could I do that would be different? Could I, could I this? Could I that? This is the place to talk about things like, and there's nothing wrong with taking, taking a walk. Nothing. That's a strategy that says I need time to, 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 to think. I need time to walk it out, pray it out. Some of you are people, uh, by the way God's wired you, where you don't want to take, have, take a walk, and you might view somebody else taking a walk as like you're running from it. Right? And maybe they're dodging. Maybe they are. On the other hand, if some of us are wired by God to need 30 minutes. And you got to know who you are. You got to know how God wired you. I tell people this again, pre-marriage counseling. You got to know who you're marrying. You got to know who you are. And are you a, need a walk? Are you a 30 minute person who needs a walk? Well, you better know that's who you're marrying. And if that's you, then take the walk and get your breath and come back. Okay. Get, get, come back to the table. Don't dodge. But you got to know who you are. And if you're not the take-a-walk person, don't you accuse the person who needs a walk of some kind of crime if they need 30 minutes. They might be doing you a favor. Okay? Yeah. How can I respond more constructively? What are my options here? I need to this. Maybe I need to write a letter. Maybe I need to, in this other situation, maybe it's a job thing. Maybe I need to get another job. Maybe I need to get a different car. Maybe I need to drive home on a different route. Maybe I need to get different kids. Okay, can't get different kids. Nope. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> You're stuck with them, guys. That's the ones you get by the mercy of God. 
What are the consequences? What would it look like if I did this right with God's help? That's number eight. What would it look like if we did this right? Can you picture that? If I so responded to the Spirit of God that I humbled myself under the mighty hand of God, I listened to Him, what would it look like if I did it right? And, and I want that. Now, just a couple more here, and we're heading to lunch. They're just bringing lunch in, just got here. Five gospel perspectives. And I said to you last night the, that I really so want you to hear gospel here. I want you not just to hear methods or analyzation or techniques. Those are all good. Um, I, I, I want us constantly to be pointed to Jesus. And here are some gospel perspectives that affect anger and every part of our life. And you, if you say, you look at this and go, this is kind of familiar, it should. Because I show this slide or some version of it at every single one of our biblical counseling conferences, and I've been doing it for like 11 years. So if you might at some point go, have I seen it? Yes, you probably have, hopefully again and again. So here are five gospel perspectives that affect, that affect anger and everything else. So my sin is more pervasive than I want to admit. The extent and gravity of my sin, it affects every part of me, including my motives, my emotions, every single part of me is infected and affected by sin. It's true. The centrality of the heart, the mouth speaks from what fills the heart and God wants to change not just your behavior, he wants to change your heart. And it's a longer process than changing your habits. You can change your externals. This is what the self-help aisle is for on Fred Meyer, by the way. It's typically, typically about changing your outward stuff. Because without the gospel, you really don't have a tool to change your heart. You need the work of the Spirit of God to change your heart. Um, so it's true in any area of sin or struggle. I don't want to just not, you know, I think about that in some of the other struggles that men have. Yes, I understand internet filters, and there's a point to that. But don't you want to be at a place in your life where you don't need an internet filter because you're not going to go there anyway? You don't want to. There's a point for, you know, some boundaries in the meantime. But, oh, God, change my heart. Change my heart. Change my heart. I don't want to be chased. I don't want to always have this fence around me and have the fence be the only thing that makes me behave. I need God to change my heart to change the want-tos. The present benefits of Christ. Yes, he forgave you. Your sin went to the cross and you have a living savior today who hears you when you call out to him. So go to him, go to him. The answer is not just a, a system or steps. It's Christ, it's still Christ. He is still the one you need the most. Cry out to him, cry out to him. God's call to growth and change. Are you stuck in a negative pattern? Maybe in this case, it's responding to, to things in a, in, a, in a way that it looks pretty angry and rough and your family's scared of you at times. Um, God's, call, God's call to you is to change. God calls you to knock it off by the work of the Spirit of God to learn a new way to, to live and submit to the Spirit of God. And that leads you to number five, a lifestyle of repentance and faith. Repenting is good for you. Owning it before God, being truthful with God. God, I blew it again. I did. Here's exactly what I did. And learning to go to the people you've offended and repent before them too and ask for their forgiveness. It's good for you. It will help you. Gospel things like that are good for you. They're part of God's healing. This is, these are gospel perspectives. We fall down. 
we get up. Uh, there's a proverb, the text, the reference of which I forget a lot. It says, the righteous man, a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. And rises again. Fell down? Yep. Okay. Get up. Repent again. Go again. Fall down? Yes, yes, yes. Got angry again? Sinfully angry? Yes. Repent again. Get back up. Go again in the mercy and grace of God. Christianity's change isn't a process, isn't about a system, it's about a person. You've got the slide. Daily, daily rehearsing the gospel. Were there time, we would go right here. If you look at those eight questions, I'll let you uh, have this as a think about it, okay? Which is the hardest to do? Might be the first, sitting down with a piece of paper and a friend and saying, can you help me talk about this, please? I just, I need your help. Um, I want to pray for us and um, we'll step toward lunch and um, I'll say a word about that in a minute after I pray okay Father I thank you for the morning I'm so thankful that you're a God of justice and because of that you're a God who gets angry I'm glad you do because if you didn't wow um, there's injustice in this world and it would sure look like you didn't care but you do And Father, I thank you for working with each of us. Every one of us as humans, we all deal with anger, not just other people's anger, our own. Father, it just seems like we have such a problem with, with being angry at the wrong things, being angry in the wrong way. Maybe for the wrong time, long time, maybe it's a long time. And Father, would you help us with these things? Help us to be just gut level honest with you about where we're at, each of us. Maybe it's our own problem is something the whole family knows about. Maybe it's just a kind of a, a thing between you and, and, and us each as an individual. But Father, would you help us here to deal with this emotion, all with all the others, in a way that's honoring to you, our God. Helpful to people around us, protecting of people around us. Help us to use our anger for the right things, to achieve good I thank you that there's hope for us. There is. Thank you for the food we're going to eat, conversation, encouragement around the table. Grateful. And um, pray, Father, that the afternoon would be encouragement for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, Just a a few things here. Several people have already stepped out to help serve. Um, Might need a couple more. If you're a person who said, I'll help, feel free to. We got gloves out there and all the other things that are needed. Um, I'm going to invite you then to make your way out, work your way down the line, tell the folks what what you'd like for lunch. Um, Come on back here in here and eat. Uh, Eat anywhere you like. Again, uh, you can't mask up while you eat, but... As you move around common spaces, if you would show that courtesy, that would be wonderful.
and uh, about quarter till then, uh, I'll give you a warning, a uh, time warning and so on, we'll get started on the seminars. I think we can eat effectively in the next 32 minutes. Um, with that, make it happen. All right, ready, go. <laughs> yeah.